0: Well, we want to thank you guys for tuning in and watching online. And if you don't know, we have a podcast available. You can listen to every message that's online right after Sunday service. And thank you all for coming here this morning. We're so glad you're here with us in person. It's so good to see this room packed. Amen. We've put out probably, what, about 20 more chairs, 15 more chairs than usual. So it, it, it's feeling good. It's feeling really good in here. So this church is growing, and we're glad that you're a part of the growth of this church. It's going to be an awesome journey. We're just, we're barely a baby church. We're we are almost what, two years old, three years old, two years old. We're almost two years old. I think we're turning to this month, if not in May. That's right. We're turning to in May and uh, I don't even know our own church's birthday. But it, uh, it's, it's, it's funny because whenever we're going out and about and, and like I'm asked if I have any children, I say, yeah, I have two. I have a three-month-old and I have a, I have a two-year-old. <laughs> a three-month-old son and a two-year-old church, amen? But this church has just started and we're, we're, there's a, a big journey ahead of us, a long journey ahead of us. And uh, we're not in a hurry, amen? We're not in a hurry. We're, we're going to do this in, in God's timing and we're going to do it the way he wants us to do it. And if that means it takes a little longer than usual, so be it. I'm not in a rush. Amen. I got a couple hundred years left on this, on this earth. Praise God. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Psalm chapter 24. Psalm chapter 24. So as I said we're coming at the tail end of this, of, this, uh, of this series that we've been in, The Power of Purity. And the title of today's message, if you are writing notes, is Bridging the Gap. Bridging the Gap. Now, if you've been with us for this entire series, then then you know how we started the process, what we spent a lot of our time in, and then how we've wrapped it up. We started talking about the spirit part of us and how the spirit part of you is perfect. It's holy. It is righteous. It is just like Jesus. The spirit that lives on the inside of you is identical to Jesus. It's a big statement but it's the truth. And the reason this happens is because your spirit when you're born is a spirit that belongs to the world. And this spirit by default is naturally inclined to sin. That is the spirit of this world. And I'll just give you a real practical example. Every single child that is born into this earth is born selfish. Every child, no matter how much you love them, They are selfish. They cry when they want to be fed. They cry when they have poop in their diaper. And they cry when they're uncomfortable. They don't ask the parents what they'd like to have for dinner. They don't ask the parents if they want to sleep all night. Right? They're naturally born selfish creatures. And then they get get to an age where they start to learn right from wrong. And that's where you begin to teach and to train. Right? Right? But naturally born, we are all born into sin, all of us. And so without getting this new spirit, you will go your entire life with a spirit that belongs to the world, which is subject to death. So you need the new spirit, amen? And when you say yes to Jesus, he gives you a brand new perfect spirit. And when that spirit comes on the inside of you, you'll see, you'll start to notice not many things have changed. You might have, I don't know if you remember the time that you got saved. Maybe it was a couple of years ago, a decade ago. I'm not sure. But I can remember a time where when I gave my life to the Lord, nothing really changed. The only thing that changed was I knew I was going to heaven. That was it. But everything else stayed the same. I still thought the same thoughts. I still did some of the same things that I would do. And the reason for that is because you, you've you been living this life of of this naturally born sin nature, that all of these old habits stick with you. And when you renew your mind to God's word, the Bible talks about putting off the old man, meaning get those old habits and get them away from you and start putting on these new habits. Start getting these new things into your heart because everything that we do in life starts in our heart and so we dealt after the spirit we dealt with the soul and we talked about a pure soul for quite some time and i like to relate the soul to a renovation that when you renovate a house what good is it to make the outward of the home super beautiful but then you walk in and it's disgusting what good is that in fact i was watching an hdtv show with my wife and and these flippers they came into a house that they bought sight unseen meaning they couldn't see the inside of the home until they bought it. And once they purchased the home, they saw that the outside was, was it was nice, it was, it was okay. And then they walked in and it was disgusting. It was horrible. And they learned a lesson and they said, never ever judge the inside of a home based off of the outside of the home. And that's what a lot of people like to do in their life. We like to clean up the outward stuff. We like to clean up how we act and how we talk and what we do before cleaning up the inside of, of us. And Jesus, he said to the Pharisees, he said, blind Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup, but the inside is full of vein and distortion and excess. And he says, first clean the inside, then the outside will become clean." It's an inside out transformation. So we spent a lot of time talking about inside out transformation. And the way you do that is by getting into God's word. The Bible says not to be conformed by the renewing of your, or by the, the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Being conformed to the world is like being put in the same exact mold as everyone else. You ever watch how, how big companies make these, these products and, and they dist- they have mass distribution of these things? It's an assembly line and they'll, they usually have these molds that they'll put the product in and it's just one after another, after another. It's the same. They're all the same. There's nothing unique about them. They're all conformed to the same mold. And that's what the Bible says not to do. Don't be like everyone else who just goes with the flow, who just goes with the pattern of this world, because the pattern of this world leads to death and destruction. It's real easy to float downstream if you're a dead fish, but it's hard to float upstream. Amen? It takes work. It takes persistence. It takes faith. So don't just be conformed to the world, but be transformed. And that word transformed is the word that we get metamorphosis from. And the whole process of metamorphosis is when a caterpillar is the little worm looking like thing, and it spins a little cocoon, and it sits, and it sits, and it sits, and eventually out comes a beautiful butterfly. It's a whole entirely different creature. In fact, if you look, I used to have this bug index book. My mom can tell you that that was the truth. It was, it was probably my Bible folded in half thick. That's how big it was. And it was just this, this index of insects and bugs. I don't know why I liked that book. I hate insects and bugs to this day. And so I just had this big book. And in the book, there was caterpillars. And there's butterflies, two completely separate insects. But the butterfly comes from a caterpillar. And that's how this process of transformation works is when you get your mind in alignment with this, when you renew your mind by God's word, it's as if you're spinning yourself a holy cocoon and nothing from the world can penetrate it. And over time, as you continue to study the word and renew your mind, you'll turn into a completely different person. Have you ever met someone, maybe, maybe you have been this person where you once weren't saved and then you became saved and all of your friends said, you're a completely different person. That's the process of transformation. That's the process of God taking you out of bondage and putting you into righteousness, putting you into freedom, putting you into grace. Amen? That's transformation. And so we took a lot of time talking about transformation, didn't we? That's because it takes a long time to renovate a home, right? And sometimes it takes longer than you actually planned on it taking. Because there's a lot of bumps and and hiccups along the road. And just like with life, there's going to be bumps and hiccups when it comes to your transformation, you're going to be studying the word of God. You're going to be in the word of God, but then the devil's going to try to do something to get you off course. There's a bump and you have to readjust. You know, it's awesome because there's, um, there's a study that, that I, that I was, uh, reading one time about the first space shuttle that went to the moon. And they were talking to, to Buzz Aldrin, the, the guy who stepped on the moon. And, and he was asking him, With all their computing power that they have in that shuttle, I'm sure it was just like a one-stop shop. Like you just press the button and it just took off from this earth and it landed on the moon perfectly. And the guy said, actually, that wasn't the case. He said, it was more so like this. We had a trajectory to get to the moon. And every 10 minutes, we had to readjust our trajectory because we would get off the course. Every 10 minutes of however long it was for them to get to the moon, they had to do a course correction, just minor course correction. Because what would have happened if they would have started the journey just a few angles off their trajectory? They would have missed the moon entirely just because they were off by 10 degrees. See, it's it's not when you become saved, it's not so much of a one-stop shop and it's done. I'm saved, I renewed my mind today, done. That's not how it is. I wish it was like that, but that's not how it is. It's more so of I got to renew my mind and every single day make minor course corrections until I get to heaven. That's what it is. And the whole story of that of that space shuttle landing on the moon was they had about a, a 500 mile radius on the moon to land on. And when they landed there, he got out of the shuttle and he looked at at where they landed. They were about five miles from their landing, or uh, away from getting out of their landing zone. Even in a big 500-mile radius, they barely made it by five miles. Isn't that crazy? But the whole course had minor course corrections. The whole entire trip was like that, and that's how it is with our life. It's not a renew your mind one time and you're done. It's every single day, course correction. Every day, course correction. Every day, course correction until you get to the final destination. Amen? So it's a long process. And that's why we took a long time with it. And then after that, we kind of talked about some of your conduct. Uh-oh. I've been watching you, church. I been seeing those Facebook posts. But we dealt with conduct at the very end. Why is that? Because after you have a born-again spirit and you've renewed your mind, conduct's the easy thing. It's, it's, the, it's the least of all of them. That's why it's the last. Last and least, I say. And it, it's not that conduct's not important. It is. Because the way you conduct yourself in front of people is the way you represent God. We are representatives of Christ. In other words, we represent him to the world. So if you're, if you're messing off and you're, and you're goofing off and messing around and doing things you shouldn't be doing, well, you're just representing God in a bad way. And that's not something you want to do. But we dealt with conduct at the very end because at the end of the day, if you fail in your conduct... God still loves you. God has a call for you. He has a plan for your life. And he doesn't see you any less than he did from the day you got saved. So it doesn't matter what you do in your conduct. God will still love you. God still has grace for you. God still has mercy for you. And God will not love you less based off of what you can do, what you don't do right. And he won't love you more based off of what you do right. He loves you regardless of you. Amen? It's because he loves you because of what Jesus did for you. Amen? He loves you through Jesus. And if Jesus was the spotless lamb of God, and he's living on the inside of you, God could care less about all the mistakes. He sees you as the spotless lamb, praise God. That's a big statement. But it's the truth. So, conduct was the last part. Not because it's not important, but because it should just come naturally. Because you love God so much, because of your relationship with him, you don't want to do things that you shouldn't do. You're not abstaining from from certain things so that God won't fellowship with you. That's not it at all. It's because of your love for God and your understanding of his love for you, it'll keep you. From doing things that you don't, that you know you shouldn't do. Amen. Amen. And that's what we have in, inside of us, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us into all truth and is helping us do things that we should do. Paul said, In my flesh, I do the things that I don't want to do. And I know that the things that I shouldn't do, I still do. Even though I do them, I don't do. If you read it, it's very confusing like that. <laughs> but what he's saying is, I do things that I don't want to do, and I don't do things that I should do, but the Holy Spirit's leading me to do those things that I need to do and keeping me away from the things I shouldn't do. It's a Holy Spirit guidance on the inside. Your willpower to not sin is not going to be enough. You just deciding, I don't want to sin because I just don't want to sin, You're going to fail tomorrow. That's just the truth of it. It has to be based on something more powerful, which is the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. So that's why it's the last, because it has nothing to do with you. If you try doing this in your own strength, in your own works, in your own efforts, that's called religion, and people are sick and tired of religion. I just talked to a woman a couple days ago. She is sick and tired of her old religion because it's all based on works. That's all it is. But Matthew, the Bible says faith without works is dead. Yeah, you know what the word works is defined by? That word works is, is de- de- demonstrating what you're believing. That's what works is defined as in that scripture. Not doing good stuff. It's backing what you believe with your actions. That's faith without works. So I agree with that, absolutely. So now, at the very end of this awesome series we're talking about one final thing who would like to receive more blessings should be all of you you see just like how we discussed last week holy living is the fruit of your relationship with christ not the root amen in other words it's not you're not living holy to get a relationship with christ You're living holy because you have a relationship with Christ. Does that make sense? We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. It's because of what Jesus already did for us. It enables us to do these things. Not we're doing these to get Jesus. That's not it at all. It's because of him we can do this. Amen? So having a holy life, will result in more blessings. I can guarantee you that. Want to know why? It's not because God blesses you more. It's not because you say, Lord, I I did this and I read my Bible and I didn't cuss and I didn't do this. Bless me. You're a Pharisee. That's not it at all. Living a holy life will give you more blessings because it'll help you receive them. Yeah, that's good. You like that one? Yeah. <laughs> it'll help you receive the blessing. Let me give you some examples. I have I have Bible verses to back it up, I promise. I'm not just shooting this from, from nothing, all right? Have you, ever, have you ever met someone that was really blessed, but they didn't know it? They couldn't see it. They always complained and... They're never happy, and but you, you watching them, you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I had what they had. They are so blessed and they don't even know it. Yeah? Well, that can happen to Christians. That can happen to Christians where you are so blessed because I'll show you a scripture right now that tells you that you already have all the blessings you'll ever need available to you. But there's people who are so blessed on this earth yet they don't even see it. And there's a reason why. There's a reason why they don't see it. In Psalm chapter 24, it says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. He who has clean hands, and a clean heart will receive blessings. Now, let me let me just go ahead and dissect this for you. What we're going to do today is we're going to take our glasses, these spiritual glasses, and we're going to read this Old Testament scripture with new New Testament, New Covenant lenses. Okay? Because this is an Old Testament scripture, and the way it reads is. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, God will then bless, right? That's what we just read. And that is accurate for an Old Testament believer. If I do this, if I do that, if I do this right, if I sacrifice this this animal right, if I pray this many times a day, then God will bless me. And that is true in the Old Testament. That is how they obtained favor and blessing from God is by doing things in order for God to bless them. But now we all have our, our new covenant lenses on, right? Instead of reading it as if if I do this, then God will bless me. We can now read it as if I do this, then I can receive God's blessings. Amen. There's a big difference. If I do this, then I can receive God's blessings. So now it's taking God being responsible for giving the blessing out of the picture and it's putting the responsibility on you to receive the blessing not to get the blessing receive the blessing what's the difference between receiving a blessing and getting a blessing getting a blessing requires you to do something to get it receiving means it's already been given amen so now the old testament's not irrelevant We don't just not read it because we're new covenant believers. We read it with a new covenant lens and we read it as if I do these things, then I can receive God's blessings. Here's another great example. The Bible talks about this prayer that everyone seems to pray for some reason. If God's people would humble themselves and come before him, then God will heal all of their land. It's saying that because we're not doing good enough stuff, God's not blessing us. So we can still read that scripture and pray that scripture and it says, if God's people, if America would humble themselves and put God first, then we'd start receiving all of God's blessings again. That's how we can read it. But what that other way does is it makes God out to be the one who doesn't give the blessing because we're not good enough. And if he does that, that means nothing. Amen. So that's why we don't read it that way anymore. We're still reading it. We're still taking this in, but we're seeing it in a new light. That's what Jesus came to do is give us a new light, a new way of seeing things, a new revelation. Amen? So before salvation, God's blessings were like on the other side of the Grand Canyon. You couldn't get to them, no matter what you did. And even the people who tried to be good still really couldn't get the blessings because the canyon was so massive. Are you tracking with me? It's like you were on one side and the blessings were over there and you're thinking, how the heck can I get those? Mm, let's build a tower to Babel. Let's build a bridge. And all the work and all the strife and all of the, the things that people did to get God's blessings really didn't work Out and people today, believe it or not, are still doing that. They're still receiving. They're still. They're still uh, seeing God's blessings as if they're afar off from them, and that they're over there on the other side of a canyon. And they're trying to build this bridge that's taking their whole life. And by the time they know it, they finish the bridge, but yet they're on their deathbed because it took that long. It's never. You're never going to get it by doing it by your own strength. But because of redemption and salvation through Jesus, guess what God did? He built the bridge and he bridged the gap. That's why my message today is bridged the gap. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he offered us complete and total salvation, which doesn't just mean like Mary touched on earlier. It doesn't just mean being saved and going to heaven. It encompasses a whole life prosperity, your spirit, your soul, and your body, having the fullness of joy on the inside of you, the fullness of God dwelling on the inside of you, happiness, no, no, no more having these seasons of despair and distraught. That's, that's what salvation encompasses, amen? And just like how holy living is a fruit of your relationship with Christ, blessings are a fruit of that holy living. In other words, we're not Christians for the blessings. Amen? That's not why you're a Christian. You're not a Christian to get blessings. If you are, you're not a Christian. You're a Christian because you love the Lord and you want him in your life as your Lord and Savior. Amen? So you're not, you're not a believer so you can receive the blessings, but, and this is a big but, and I'll save this one later for my big but series. But you better be sure blessings are a part of it. Amen. Yes. It's like when you got hired for the job that you all love, right? You all love your jobs. The job that you got hired for, and then the job said, you know what? We're gonna give you a company car. We're gonna give you your own parking space. Wow! Now let me ask you: Did you get the? Did you apply for the job for the free parking space? No. That would be dumb. You applied for the job because it was a good job. Amen. It's a good job. It could provide for you. It was a wise decision. But for someone to say, oh, I wanted the free parking, I would question their, their intelligence just a little bit. But, and just like that, we, we are not Christians simply because of the free parking space. But we know with this job, with this relationship with Christ, comes the free parking and comes the blessing, amen? So we shouldn't just be Christians and say, oh, woe is me. No blessing for me. I don't want blessing. I just want to be a mere servant of the Lord and have nothing. No, you can be a Christian and love the Lord with all of your heart and still expect to see blessings. That's a part of the whole package. Amen. It's a part of the package. Go to Ephesians chapter one, verse three. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, someone say has, has. who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Praise God. He already blessed us with some, all. I'm going to give you some Greek insight I'm a Greek scholar, I like to say. I'm not really. But I like to study the Greek language for some of these scriptures. Can you put that back on the screen so we can read it together? When it says that he already has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, do you know what the word every means in the Greek? Every. It's that simple. Every spiritual blessing he's already given to us. All blessings have already been given to us. So that's why I say that you already have all the blessings you need, but some people aren't seeing them. Some people can't receive them all. So if you believe that's you this morning, are you ready to start receiving more blessings? Amen? Thank you, Lord. So that's my confirmation scripture. I know I have all the blessings that I ever need. I know God's already given me everything. He already blessed me and those blessings, watch this now, are waiting for us to walk across the bridge. They're not, they're not waiting for you to build the bridge. They're waiting for you to walk across the bridge. Thank you, Lord. And what is the bridge that's connecting you to your blessing? Jesus. Jesus is that bridge that bridged the gap between us, this giant canyon, and the blessings of God. Now, check this out. Put Put that scripture, there it is. It says, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Where? So they're up there? How are they here on earth? They're in Christ. So if they're in heavenly places and Jesus Christ lives in you, where are these blessings? In you. You host all of heaven's spiritual blessings in you because it's in Christ and Christ is in you. You see how easy it is to get it now. You see how easy it is to receive it. You don't have—they're not up there. You don't have to ask God to send a blessing down. Hmm. There's this famous um, line that a lot of people like to say in the church, and it's when when praises go up, blessings come down. They're already down. They're already here, praising or not. They're already here. So then you praise him. You don't praise him for the blessing that come down. You have the blessing, so you praise him. Amen? Oh, thank you, Lord. It's a whole mind shift. In Ephesians, in just a couple verses down in verse 18, same chapter. This is Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. He's, He's telling them, about their blessings. He's saying, man, if you just understood how blessed you are, your life would be changed. And so first he tells them where these blessings are in Christ Jesus in heavenly places, and he dwells in you. And then he says this in verse 18, he's praying. He says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? So the first one, it was these heavenly blessings in Christ Jesus. Now he says, know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So he's talking to them now. He's saying, look, you as a saint, as a believer, you've been left an inheritance. It's yours. Do you have to work for your inheritance? It's given. Man, if we understood this, we would stop asking God to bless us. I, would, I just talked about this on our Bible study on, on Wednesday night. We were talking about, we just started a series in our men's Bible study. So if you haven't joined, now's your time to do it because it's the very beginning of a series. And we're talking about finding, following, and fulfilling God's will for your life. And, and we talked about how if you're in the will of God for your life, why do we ask God to, to bless it? Why do we ask God to bless what we're doing at, at, the, the, at the moment at hand if we know we're in God's will? If we're in his will, it's already blessed. Amen? If we're, if we're walking in his path that he's called us to walk in, it should be already blessed. Right? Or am I just wrong for thinking that? Because you guys are pretty quiet this morning. You sound like a presbyterian church. <laughs> if we're walking in his will, it's already blessed. So why do we go there and say, "Lord, for example, Lord bless this service today?" That must mean I'm doing something that might not be in his will and I'm asking for him to bless it. Think about it. See, sometimes we get over spiritual. It just it's just logically sound. It just makes sense logically. Mm. Thank you, Lord. If someone gave you guidelines to do something for them, and then you did those things, would you have to constantly ask them and check, hey, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? When you have the very clear and concise guidelines but then you, you go out of the guidelines and start doing something because you think it could be better this way. Then you'll go, hey, is, is this okay too? Can, can you give me approval for this? That's what we do when we step out of the will of God for our lives and we go, Lord, can you please bless this? I got off topic. So there's a preview for Bible study on, on Wednesday. But Paul, he was telling them that you have an inheritance. You have this inheritance, and it's, it's, it belongs to you. It belongs to you. It's God's inheritance given to you. In fact, this is who it belongs to. It belongs to Jesus. But because Jesus is in you, it belongs to you. So the scripture just bypassed that and just said, here, it's yours. This is your inheritance, meaning it's rightfully yours. You own it. You don't have to ask for it. You don't have to work for it. It belongs to you. So Paul's prayer here was that they would see it. That they would see their inheritance. They would see the hope of his calling. Amen? So what's keeping them and a lot of people today from seeing their blessings? I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 13, verse 15. I'll read it from the King James Version. The scripture says, this is Jesus talking, for this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have, uh, they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. So Jesus, he was speaking to the multitude around him, and he was teaching through parables, and and, and he said that they weren't understanding what Jesus was saying because their hearts were waxed gross. In other words, it's, a, it's a, a picture, a word picture. A word picture. Have you ever seen the way candles are made? And not, not the ones you buy at Bed Bath & Body Works or whatever it's called, what is that? Bath and Body Works? Bed, Bath, and Beyond. Bath and Body Works. Whatever. You'll find candles at both. <laughs> it's not talking about, I'm not talking about those candles. You ever seen, I don't think we have any, but those, those long candles, right? The really long ones that you'll probably see like at weddings or feasts. And um, you, you ever seen how they're made? So they'll get the wick of the candle and they'll dip it in hot wax one time. Then again... And pull it out. And they'll repeat this process hundreds, if not thousands of times just to get that thickness of the candle. That's an illustration of someone's heart waxing. Meaning you don't just wake up one day with a, with a hardened heart. And you can also say that a hard heart. They have a hard heart. You don't just wake up one day with a hardened heart. That happens over time. Just like a candle being waxed happens over and over and over and over again. Having a hardened heart happens over a long period of time. And so Jesus was saying their hearts are waxed, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes have are closed, so they can't understand what I'm saying to them. If they could understand, then they can be healed and they can be saved. I love that he related healing and salvation with each other again in this scripture, confirming that. Salvation does come with healing. But he said that they don't understand what I'm trying to say because their hearts aren't ready to receive it. He wasn't saying that their eyes were, were, were naturally closed. They were spiritually closed. I, I think it'd be pretty funny if, if he was teaching with a multitude of people and all of them went like this. He was talking about their spiritual, their spiritual eyes the same type of eyes that Paul was talking about, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. So a hardened heart is what will keep you from receiving God's blessings. And the American Heritage Dictionary, it says that a, a waxed heart or the word waxed is to increase gradually in size, number, strength, or intensity. To increase gradually in size, number, strength, or intensity. If the band can come back up now. So what's keeping people from receiving their blessing? Hmm. Well, Jesus said, the people's heart being waxed. Well, how does someone's heart get waxed? In Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, Jesus tells us, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You can take that and say, because of sin abounds, because evil things abound, because people are so focused on what the world produces is abounding. The love of many, the hearts of many will wax cold. So what does this have to do with bridging the gap? Your blessings are across the canyon, and Jesus bridged the gap. But people can't see the gap that the, the, the gap that was bridged because they're blinded and distracted by the world. They're blinded, they're distracted, and their hearts cannot receive because they're hardened. How can God get something to you if your heart is blocked by steel? It'll bounce right off. In the book of Exodus, the story of Moses delivering the Israelites, the Bible says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And the scripture says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. This is what I believe. You can take it with a grain of salt. But I believe that the way it's worded, it's not that God hardened his heart. It's like when you say, they made me mad. Well, they didn't, you just got mad, right? I mean, you can't control other people, you can control yourself. Or they made me do this. Did they? Or do you have a free will? You chose to do that. That's just what I believe that when it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, that Pharaoh would, had his heart hardened because of God. All the plagues that were sent and all the things that happened and his his firstborn being killed. And I can imagine that would harden someone's heart. And I can sit there also and say, that would, God, you hardened my heart, right? But the fact is Pharaoh did not let his people go because he had a hardened heart. Do you know what happened to Pharaoh and all of his men? They drowned. Moses let the people out and and he took them to this place and, and it looked like a dead end. They're at the Red Sea and all of a sudden God says, stretch out your hand, stretch out your staff. And the sea split and all of God's people, all millions of them, millions and millions of Israelites journeyed in the middle of a sea. And the scripture says on dry land. And they got to the other side. And then the scripture says that the Egyptians, the ones chasing the Israelites saw what they were doing and said, look, if they can do it, we can do it. Don't you ever look at someone else's life and say, if they can do it, I can do it, unless God told you to do it. Because God told the Israelites to cross. God didn't tell the Egyptians to cross. And as they crossed, the sea came back together and all of his men drowned. I wonder what would have happened if Pharaoh just let the people go. What would have happened? I can tell you 100% they wouldn't have drowned. They would have lived longer. I don't know what his fate would have been, but they didn't have to drown and that all started because of a hardened heart. He couldn't receive what Moses was telling him because of a hardened heart. Thank you, Lord. There's there's countless countless stories in the Bible about hardened hearts. I'll leave it with one more. In Mark chapter 4, it's one of my favorite scriptures in the whole world. It's the parable of the sower. And Jesus was given this beautiful parable. He talked about how people are are like the ground and their hearts are like the ground. And the word of God is like a seed that a farmer would scatter. And he says that in chapter four, verse three, he says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow It happened as he sowed that some fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it didn't have much of the earth and immediately it sprang up because it didn't have depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, it scorched that plant and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it And it yielded no crop, but other seed, other of the same type of seed, fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. Jesus then goes on to describe how the different types of ground is different types of hearts that people have. And the, the the heart that was the wayside ground, it's so hard and packed that nothing can penetrate it. The seed couldn't get into the ground because it was too hard. Downstairs, where I told you we're doing the new carpeting, and the guy who's doing the carpet down there, he went ahead and said he, he he's been having trouble getting the 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 carpet. Wooden strips that you put nailed into the concrete. And the reason is because that concrete is old. It is old. And so he took all day, probably two days, just to get the nails into the concrete. That's how hard it was. Imagine how hard it is to get the word of God into a heart that is hard-packed ground. You can't. So what happens? The the Bible says the birds of the air just come down and take the seed. Jesus says the enemy comes and he takes the word. How do you receive those blessings? Soften your heart. Soften your heart. Open your heart to allow God to give you all that he has to give you. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. you. Excuse my nose. It wants to make a, a speech today or something. Quiet. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I love this church. This is a great church and I'm so honored to be here and just be with you guys. And it's an honor that the Lord's allowed me to pour into you what he's shown me. I may be young, but the Lord's shown me so much. He's shown me principles that should outlast any age. It doesn't matter how old you are, as long as you have a principle, that's all that matters. I don't know everything, but I do know a lot about the basics, which unfortunately a lot of Christians don't. I was talking to a friend of mine, he comes here, and I asked him, I said, what's the difference between an NBA game and a a pickup game in an elementary school. You're playing the same thing. You play with the same ball, play with the same hoop. You have the same guidelines, same rules, same score, same amount of players. But what's the difference between a couple of kids playing basketball and an NBA game? Those men playing on the NBA court mastered the basics. That's the difference. It's the same game. They just mastered the basics. If you can master the basics of of the Bible, you'll be a lot farther ahead than most Christians. And it doesn't matter if you start now, if you started last year or 10 years ago, just start. Get the basics into your heart and watch what God will do through you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.